Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 484 of the Juice Box Podcast. I want to try that again. I don't like how, like, affected my voice was. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 484 of the Juice Box Podcast. On today's show, Bella. Bella was diagnosed as a small child. She's more of an adult now, and she wanted to share with you what it was like growing up with type 1 diabetes. She's going to tell you um, how seriously she took it and how seriously she takes it now. So there's a difference between then and now. You're about to find out. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're looking for those diabetes pro tip episodes, the defining diabetes episodes, uh, what else? Uh, how we eat after dark. There's a lot to choose from. You can go to Juice Box. Wow, I just bit my lip or something. You can go to juiceboxpodcast.com. You can also go to diabetesprotip.com for the pro tips and the defining stuff. And now this has gotten confusing. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. The episode is also sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. It is simply the easiest, brightest, and most accurate blood glucose meter I've ever used. That's it. That's, that's, I mean, that's the sell, man. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. If you find something that's more important than bright light, easy to read, easy to use, second chance test strips, and fits nicely in your pocket, your purse, or your bag, um, I mean, what do you need? We need like we need flashing lights or colors or actually I think it has that too. Uh, let me think of something even more ridiculous. What do you need? Like uh, bells and whistles? You don't need bells and whistles. You need accuracy, ease, etc., etc. Oh, by the way, and uh, um, reasonably priced too. Go check it out. So hi, my name is Bella. I am 23 years old and I I live in Indiana in the US, of course, and I have been a type 1 diabetic going on 14 years now. Um so this December it'll be 14 years. So I was diagnosed when I was 9 years old. I was in the 4th grade. I wanted to come on the podcast originally. I remember I sent you an email and I, um, it was like during the peak of quarantine and I was listening to your podcast on a walk, I think. And I was just like, you know, I think I'm going to email him because I finally had the balls to just be like, let's thank him for the podcast and then throw in there, you know, if you ever want me to be on it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I originally wanted to come on, I think just to give my perspective on, um, Growing up without taking care of your diabetes, I was very uncontrolled. Um, And now I am really controlled. Like, I'm very proud of how far I've came, and it's great, and I feel really healthy. And I think that's, yeah, no, it's really good. And that was originally why I wanted to come on, Um, but it's been a couple months now. So uh, I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, well, what would I even say? So I was kind of just like, whatever we talk about, we talk about. 
I already have questions. So a couple of things. First of all, you said okay. I'm from Indiana in the United States, of course. So I'm not certain if you meant obviously I'm from the United States or obviously you all know that Indiana is in the United States. And now that I'm saying it, I'm not sure why I said it. Tell me that first. Uh, obviously, uh, U.S. like after Indiana is, of course, in the U.S. Sorry. <laughs> so, not like, of course, I'm from the U.S. Because your <laughs> podcast reaches pretty far and wide, doesn't it? It does. It was just it, it was it was the it was I don't know what it was like the balance of the words that came out. I was like, is she apologizing for having told people that it's in the U.S.? I'm not 100 percent. Oh, sure no, I'm not apologizing. <laughs> Sometimes I should we sh should probably collectively apologize, but. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, and in fourth grade, mm -hmm. I endured the entire, um, the entirety of I think the worst teacher I had in the in the whole time I was in really. School. How was your fourth grade experience? Oh my gosh! So I had the best teacher. She was so sweet, so nice. She was like straight out of college, um, and I remember she was so kind to me, uh, and she was just so sweet, and I loved her so much. Um, but fourth grade, getting diagnosed, that, on the other hand, was really hard for me. I remember, um, well, I remember, so my diagnosis was pretty weird. Well, it's not weird. I'm sure it's fairly common, but at the time, it felt weird. So I was, um, I was peeing the bed <laughs> for, like, a couple nights in a row, and my mom was like, obviously, like, something's wrong. You're in fourth grade. Like, you shouldn't be mm -hmm. uh peeing the bed. And it was like, I don't know, like two or three nights in a row. So she made me a doctor's appointment. I went to the doctor, all that good stuff happened, which I could go into detail on if you're curious. Well, but <laughs> I want to know, I wanted if something, if there was good stuff in details, tell me a little bit about it. I remember going to the doctor. It was like halfway through the school day. Um, so I left school early and I don't really remember that much from the time period. Like, I feel like I've subconsciously blocked out a lot of my childhood diabetic years really? but I do remember I have like very vivid flashes of memory from that day mm -hmm. so I went to the doctor like the local pediatrician office in the town nearby and they um I think I like peed in a cup and then I think they tested my blood sugar and it was like crazy high in the 500s. And I just remember them, the doctor, she was a female and she, I just remember her being like, okay, um, I think like you have diabetes, you're going to have to go home, pack your bags and go to the hospital. And I just remember crying because my mom was upset, but I like, I had no clue what that meant. So I wasn't able to really like fathom why I was upset or what was going on mm. and I remember I remember like the sweater I was wearing I was wearing this like green and purple sweater with little balls on it very uh like early 2000s it was adorable <laughs> um <laughs> and I remember being like I'm so hungry can I eat something and then the doctor was just like you can go like you should get some chicken nuggets that should be okay. So I went to Wendy's, got some chicken nuggets, <laughs> which probably wasn't great for my blood sugar because they're breaded, but whatever. We're also not 100% sure they're chicken, but I digress. Yeah, 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 probably not. But they were Wendy's, and Wendy's, as far as chicken nuggets go, I feel like I don't eat meat at the moment, but I remember them being pretty good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Yeah. And then I went home and I remember my sister was there with my grandma and they were upset. And I feel like I was just like, why is everyone upset? Like, what does this mean? And I went to the hospital and I was there for like five days. 
I and, I have to tell yeah. you, Bella, I grew up so broke, I would imagine everybody was crying because of how much a mattress cost. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. They, yeah, like, oh, and I, I, I had no clue about the reality of pricing and medical systems. No. And obviously, I mean, I was nine. I just but, meant because you peed on the yeah. bed so many times. I'm figuring you needed a new mattress. <laughs> I did. I but, assume I did. I mean. You better hope. I Yeah, right? You yeah. would hope so. I... Man, now I'm trying to think about it, and I have no clue. Was your clue. whole childhood just like, what is that? <laughs> no, well, I literally, I had to have gotten a new mattress. All right, There's we'll no check way on that with your have. mom, and we'll we'll put it at the end of the episode. I expect an email uh, a couple days from now that says I've I've talked to my mom, and the mattress was not or was replaced. Uh, I will definitely ask her. I'll ask her after I get off with you because I'm really <laughs> curious now. Um, well, we huh. so fourth fourth grade's interesting. I think because obviously you have like real memories from the time. So old enough to retain memories from it, uh, young enough to not know the details. Y- yes. You know what I mean? But that's, um, I think that makes sense. I think if you were a few years younger, it would make sense. I have to tell you, I was joking earlier, but my fourth grade teacher um, made me hate math so much. Really? I'm, I'm going to admit to something. Do you, do you mind if I admit to something now? No, of course not. So we were l- learning multiplication in fourth grade. And I know that in a modern society, people are like, yeah, I, I learned multiplication when I was like, you know, six. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the 70s and they, they were taking us slow. So yeah. every Friday we'd show up and he'd give us a hundred quick multiplication things like, you know, four times six and two times three. Oh but, and you had... <sighs> I, I'm going to forget, but I think it was five minutes to do a hundred of them. Now, the indication as I'm saying them is that these, you know, should be to you that these multiplication tables were just the ones that everyone knows, like three times six. Everyone uh-huh. listening just thought 18, except I was a little behind. And every one you got wrong, he sent you home on Friday. You had to write out each one you got wrong 10 times. What the heck? So I'd freeze up. <laughs> And panic and start thinking about how it was going to lead to a weekend of writing multiplication tables, my dad yelling at me, my mom seeming disappointed, my parents who were not great like parents, they were good. I don't know how to put it. They weren't good at fixing problems, I I Uh guess. And so I just would get to that test in the morning. I'd freeze up. There were times I'd get 70 of them wrong and spend every waking hour of the weekend writing out these multiplication tables. Well, he turned me off to it so much that I'm going to tell you now, and people listening, I think, imagine I'm a reasonably bright person, right? I, <laughs> I did not know, I did not know how to do those basic multiplication tables for two and a half more years until, oh, man. until I failed a math class in sixth grade. Sixth grade, I was in algebra and I couldn't do it. I failed it. I had to go to summer school. And that summer, sitting in my grandmother's house where I had to live so that I could be closer to the summer school, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, this is ridiculous. And I sat at a table and taught myself all of those multiplication tables in like two hours. That's amazing, though. That The end of the story, that's amazing. But honestly, I feel like that's really traumatizing. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Uh, so I completely understand that. I mean, I'm 48. <laughs> you guys hear... I might be 48 or 49. I'm having trouble this year knowing how old I am. <laughs> but <laughs> that's funny. Happened to me a few years ago, too. But I, I'm absolutely still like, obviously, you hear me joke about it. Like, I'm worried that I'm not good at math because of that. And yeah, and it's not 
it just was, I think it was that exact time. Like I ran into the wrong guy at the wrong time was my point. Yeah, I do get that. I definitely understand that. So what happened to you that you, you know, how was your management in those early years? Because you're really, you want to talk about having not done well for yourself for a long time. So how did it begin? Yeah. So I remember, and I was actually telling my mom this morning, I was like, cause I live with my mom right now. Cause COVID is COVID's really making things great in the real world. <laughs> um, but I told my mom that I was coming on this podcast and she was like, well, make sure you tell him that, um, uh, you were sent to the hospital for a couple days and they just had different doctors in and out every day. And none of them were specialists. None of them were endocrinologists. They were just like their pediatric team. And none of them taught us how, like, they didn't get, like, they didn't teach us anything. I remember, like, sticking things with syringes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the first bit of being diagnosed, um, I would, we would call the doctor. Like, I would be home and they would have us call the doctor to get, like, information on how to give myself injections, like, how to correctly give the correct amount. And... Um, I just remember one of the doctors was so mean and I remember he was like yelling at my mom um, or in my memory, he was yelling at my mom, who knows? Um, (laughs) I could have fabricated like that memory (laughs) in my mind, but he was mean and they were like not really helping us. But I think that in the early years, I think probably like the first two years, um, I was really resistant. I remember I didn't want to have shots. Uh, My mom said she would have to like hold me down sometimes just to inject me. Uh, Uh, And I think those first couple years, my, I mean, I didn't really do anything then I was nine years old, Mm -hmm. but I think that my, so my dad wasn't really around much. So he was never really involved in my diabetes care, but I think my mom was completely overwhelmed and she didn't she wasn't doing well, I think, and then she got yelled at on top of that. This is yeah. literally my story about multiplication. Go ahead. I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And I don't think she she didn't have the resources to, to learn how to take care of me or to teach me to take care of myself. And that's something that I've really had to come to terms with um, recently since I started taking care of myself. It's something that I've really had to work on not – not letting myself resent her for, because it's really easy for me to look back and be like, man, like for all those years, like I was slowly killing myself and like, you didn't know any better to help me not do that. Um, but like I said, she didn't know any better. So I think in those first couple years, uh, we were just doing what we could with the resources we had. And, um, I, I think that's why it's so great to sometimes listen to your podcast and hear all these parents who take care of their kids so well. And it just gives me so much joy. But until I really listened to your podcast, I like I didn't really think that my situation was abnormal. Like I didn't think that um, I, just I didn't really think diabetes. anything about how my mom didn't really know what she was doing. And it was kind of just like flying by the seat of I don't know that saying, but it's, it's fly, by, it's fly by. by the seat of your pants. How old are you yes. again? I'm 23. There's an episode that went up yesterday with Julia, who's, you know, a little older than you. And I, uh-huh. and I, I needed her to say like a test sentence. And I said, uh, hey, say, I don't, I forget what it was. Like Susie sells seashells by the seashore or the rain, oh, in, yeah. the rain I know in Spain that falls mainly on the plane. And she's like, what? I'm like, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plains. And she's oh, like, she's one. like, what is that? <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I, I know the Susie sell in sea sh- seashells by the seashore. That's nice, a hard one. Though. Nice try, Bella. <laughs> so, yeah. right, oh, so, man. Well, well, listen, I think that your story is why I am really proud of the podcast. Yeah, it I is. would be too. And that's why, like, I like I don't want to be like oh your podcast saved me because it didn't I mean like I saved myself (laughs) like I learned everything on my own technically but your podcast has been just so helpful and it like I know that I'm not the only one out there who um like learned how to pre-bolus and um just learned all these helpful tools and yeah it's something to be really proud of (laughs) for you I hope that you're so proud of it well I am but not as proud as I am of this Fly by the seat of your pants is parlance from the early days of aviation. Aircraft initially had few navigational aids, and flying was accomplished by means of the pilot's judgment. The the term emerged in the 30s and was first widely used in reports of Douglas Corrigan's flight from the U.S. to Ireland in 1938. I guess he was flying by the seat of his pants. Okay. All right. There we go. The more you know. Uh, Oh, yeah. I wish we could have license for that that music. I'd be, oh, right, I'd be, be cool. right. I'd be like dun, 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 right now. Anyway, do you even know what the <laughs> see? There's an interesting thing. Do you even know where the more you know comes from? No, I don't. Where <laughs> does it come from? I just I love this. It was um, it, it was a, a thing on NBC. NBC okay. is a television. I wonder how far you have to go with people your age. Like NBC is oh, like funny. Netflix, but you don't pay for it. It's on- I know what NBC is. <laughs> okay, uh, they used to have these public service announcements. Um, and on like the whole NBC thing in the United States and they'd put out these educational messages. And at the end of it, there'd be this little music. Hold on. Let me see if I can play it. Could you hear that? No. All right. Well, I'll put it in when I'm making the, when I'm making the podcast, but it it was this like kind of, um, star flying through space and it had the words, the more, you know, and it played this little like piano music behind it. That's wow, this has been so like I'm really learning. Well, I appreciate you're not the, learning the anything. culturing. This is oh, please. If this is culture, you're in trouble, Bella. But I'm just yeah. saying that it's, <laughs> I'm, I, it's super interesting that you you use phrases that you don't know or pro- that I don't know. Well, all of us that you you're using them properly, but you don't know where they came from or why they exist. Oh, that's so yeah. That's really interesting. I've never thought about that, but that's a really good point. I and I probably use so many that I honestly have no clue what the heck they actually like. Yeah. What, you know, where they're from. Well, you have to wonder too, right? How many people managing their diabetes are doing things because they heard it or heard enough of it to know that it's a rule in this one situation, but don't know why, uh, don't have the background information around it. Yeah. And probably so many. I mean, mm-hmm. like, the, I mean, so many. I mean, I didn't even fully understand until like probably a year ago how fat and protein affect the blood sugar and i still sometimes struggle with like really high fat meals um but that's besides the point no, they're not it's not really i'm bella what i'm telling you is that my silly little stories and diabetes all are basically the same thing it's it's um <sighs> you just said the more you know like you understood what that was and mm-hmm. you did enough, but not completely. So your yeah. mom, your mom's at home. She's got the needles. She's got the insulin. She understands a bit of it, 
but not enough. Like she gets the like when and the maybe the why, but not the how. And she has no context for what she's doing. And she's trying to make her way through this incredibly difficult thing. Meanwhile, you're running around the house like <laughs> being like, you're not putting that needle in me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it sounds like, and not that I'm digging, but your dad might have been a spy or something because you said he wasn't around very much. So she's doing it by <laughs> herself. And yeah. uh, that's a lot of stuff for a person. How old was she at that time? Do you know? Um. So she had me when she was 40. So she was an older uh, oh she gave God. birth older. So she was probably what, like 49, almost 50. Oh yeah. She was done with you already and her hip hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was, I, I think that also it's been really easy for me to focus myself in that story mm-hmm. of like, this was so hard on me. Like, this is my life. Yeah. Like, how could you not have known better? But, um, like we've had some brief conversations about it here and there. And I know that She's not really good at talking about her feelings. I mean, I'm not that great at talking about my feelings either. Um, (laughs) Vulnerability was not something that I saw modeled in the household as a kid, Mm -hmm. which is something that I really strive to be better at and more vulnerable with. But so the small conversations that we have had about it, I can tell that it was hard on her. Um, but I don't think she fully knows how to talk about it and like unleash those emotions with me. So I can't really say much of how she like was actually thinking and what was actually going through her mind. I think that's cultural Um, for your mom. Yeah. Is she, is that cultural for your mom? Is she Irish? I guess is what I'm asking. (laughs) I have no clue what it is. And I have tried to think about it. Um, I don't know what it is. Neither of my parents really modeled vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I assume that neither of their parents did either like the generational trauma that just goes down and down. But, um, how, were, how do you was, do with it? Because it sounds like you're aware of it. Or do you break through? Or do you I'm f- trying, I'm trying so hard. Yes, I am aware of it. Um, I really want to be better at the things that my parents, um, missed out on or could have improved on. And I know that if I ever have kids, I'll have my own, you know, own stuff that is going to be messed up and then they'll probably want to be better than me at that stuff. But yeah, with emotions and vulnerability, that's something that I really have been trying to work on. And I think that also it comes back to diabetes. So largely for me, because I remember that I was so overwhelmed when I was younger Um, because I was pretty, I was like, once I was in like sixth grade, I was practically managing everything on my own. Like my mom would take me to doctor's appointments and she would call insurance and she would go get my prescriptions and pay for everything. But I, you know, I was the person who was giving the shots. I was testing my blood sugar and I, I just wasn't doing it. Like, and I wasn't doing a good job. Well, that's what I was wondering. I'm sorry. Were you not doing it willfully were you not doing it well because you didn't know how and did you just give up at some point? Yeah, I didn't know how. And then so I feel like diabetes is like I don't know, it's, it's I feel like it's like you're told that you have to write a book in a different language, but you don't know this language and you're given a dictionary in the other language. It's like you're not <laughs> like I, unless you have this information, you're not able to do it. And I didn't have the information. My mom didn't have the information. Um, and so I was just 
doing what I thought was normal, which was really not doing anything. And I remember I would like go to the nurse to check my blood sugar every day at lunch and it would be in like the 200s. And I would be so ashamed because I didn't think that it should be that, but I didn't know how to, like, I didn't know why it was that high or I didn't really know how to get it normal or what tools to use to get it normal. Yeah. And well, yeah, you know, the evolution is, well, first I'm going to go back for a second. Do you see, you were describing, you know, things that your parents didn't have that their parents probably didn't give them and how you're trying to break free of that. Do you see why human evolution takes so long? Yeah, yeah. truly. No, I understand that. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's just a lot. Well, yeah, because you're also living at the same time. Like mm-hmm. if I, if I took you and, you know, I set you out in a nice field and put you in a small cabin and gave you all the things you needed to eat and said, Bella, Hey, we're, here's all your, you know, your, your human failings and shortcomings work on them right now. You'd still struggle with it, but when you got to go to school and get a job and have personal relationships, you're building a life again with incomplete tools, just like you were trying to manage your diabetes with incomplete tools. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's the obvious nature of figuring out something complicated. Yes. And, and complicated it is. I'm sorry, you broke up for a second. You said oh, I just said complicated it is. Yeah. Like, it's definitely complicated. Everything's complicated. But when... So you can break it down as far as you want and say, you know, the doctors didn't give you good tools, but the doctors are also people who were raised by people and they're working through their stuff as they go to their job, which happens to be the most important thing in your world at the moment. Mm -hmm. You've just been diagnosed with diabetes. You're counting on the doctor that came in. That doctor could be fighting with his spouse, uh, could have been raised by terrible people. Like you have no idea like what leads somebody into their profession. Maybe they're... Mm -hmm there in that room struggling with your demons. Maybe your mom got on the phone with a doctor and your mom reminded the doctor of his mother who was, who was helpless in her relationship with her husband. And he wishes subconsciously that she would have stood up to her. Like who knows why he was mad at your mom? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy. So at some point we all have to take control and responsibility and say to ourselves, I don't read the words in this dictionary. I can't understand what they are but I have to write this book and then Mm -hmm. forget everything that anyone's told you in the past and approach it from a common sense nature, which I think is is what I tried to do here. Um, And it sounds like you did it on your own at some point. So, so how long did you struggle and when did you start figuring it out? Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. Wow. That's like my favorite part. So I probably shouldn't have talked over it. The Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, like I said earlier, is simply great. It is accurate. 
easy to use, easy to hold, easy to handle. It has second chance test strips, which means you can hit the blood, not get enough, go back and get more without messing up your test accuracy. And it's uh, got big numbers on it, right? I mean, what else do you need? Like the, the light at night is strong and bright. Deep in the heart. Never mind. It's got a bright light for at night. I can't believe I rhymed that twice. I didn't mean to. Now my brain's in a loop. Listen, you need a great meter. It's one of those things you don't think about. We all just take the meter the doctor gives us. They yank it out of a drawer. They're like, here, meter. You're like, oh, free. Great. Something's easy. Except, is it accurate? Is it easy? Really? Or is it just the one they had? Meters are not that expensive. At least the Contour Next One isn't. So check it out. It's an amazing website with all the answers that you need. They have a test strip program if you are eligible. Some people are even eligible for a free meter. Listen, I've said free and great and accurate a lot. It's worth clicking on it. You know what I mean? Contournext.com forward slash juice box. You deserve a great meter. It's not. Meters shouldn't be throwaway items. They shouldn't be. What's that word when you just like you don't think of something? Oh, God, look at me. This is ruining the flow of this. Um, you know what I mean? Like an afterthought. Afterthought is what I meant. Meters shouldn't be an afterthought. It should be a a choice you make. And get something good. I mean, if you're getting something, right? Like, what are you going to do? If you have an ice cream cone on the table and an ice cream cone on the ground, and the one on the ground has rocks in it, and there's an ant crawling on it, and some bird crap on the cone, but then there's one on the table, and it's clean, do you go, eh, I'll just take the first one someone hands me? No. Put in the tiniest bit of effort. Get a good ice cream cone. It's not a really deep metaphor, so you understand what I'm saying. Like, put in a tiny bit of effort. Make sure you have a great meter. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to Bella. I struggled until, I mean, I still struggle, of course. We have our days. But I struggled all the time I think until I was about 20 so it hasn't been that long um and I would have some good periods where my blood sugar would be fairly stable in those periods but like my A1Cs well first of all I think this is important to tell you I didn't know what an A1C meant until I was like 20 years old so that's like what, like 11 years of diabetes without and, knowing what an A1C was? So That's, get, I just have a hard time fathoming that at this point. You'd get that A1C and you'd be like, and they would tell you there's a number you're shooting for, basically. You'd be under it or over it, meaning, you know, I guess they'd be like, oh, you missed or you're doing great. And then that was it. No one ever told you what the A1C was or what it did. And you didn't take any steps to figure out what it was. By the way, I find I'm not coming down on you. I think this is incredibly common. So I think it is too. Yeah. I think it's easy to feel like it's not common because like we hear the podcast and, you know, we see all these people on Instagram who seem like they have everything figured out. But I think the reality of diabetes is that I'm a more common story than, well, now I have every, not everything together, but now I'm pretty well controlled and I'm really proud but I think that my past is actually 
way more common than people like me with A1Cs that are good now. Because even now I'll go to my doctor and she's like, you are doing perfect. And in my head, I'm like, are you serious? Like, I'm not doing perfect at all. But to her, when she sees people all day that, you know, Contact. the A1Cs is, are in the eights, nines, tens, whatever they are. When she gets me coming in and my A1C is in the fives and it's been in the fives for over a year. So I'm really proud of that. Good for you. Yeah, but when she sees that, I bet she's like, holy crap, this girl, like, she's got it. Like, I don't even need to, I don't need to do anything. I know that's how they treat us. It, that is, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and there are treated. times I'm standing there, I'm like, no, you have no idea. There are things I don't get about this. And I don't mm-hmm. even bother asking them because I think that their norm is keeping people in the eights. And I, I think they turn into cheerleaders for people. Like, I think so, You too. know, um, it's You know, you said that everyone on Instagram looks like they have it figured out. I would say that, you know, remove diabetes from that sentiment for a moment and remember that Instagram is all about making you look like you have everything right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, oh, yeah. Right. It's, Definitely it just is. is. It is that. It's pictures. And by the way, I don't come down on those. I know it's it's a, a, a systemic problem at this point that everyone is showing their best moment and therefore the people who are looking in feel like, oh, everybody's doing better than me. But at the same time, if you start a social media platform with photos, did you expect people were going to put up like ratty looking pictures of themselves? Yeah, that's true. Like, it's not like I wake up and I, my hair is in a, Something you know, a frizzy your mess and, and I you're like, let me share bags. this with my friends. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really great point. Right. Um, but, but, but also with yeah. Instagram, uh, like, I don't know how I, this was a couple, this, I was like 20, like I said. So I don't know how, but I started following someone that, did yoga and they were also a diabetic and I don't know how I found them, but I remember seeing like that this person can take care of themselves because they would share about their diabetes sometimes. And I remember seeing that and seeing that they could do all these things and have normal blood sugar. And that really motivated me. That was kind of like a wake, not a wake up call, but I was seeing it modeled for really the first time that it is possible to control yourself. And so that was actually a huge push for me to get my shit together and to learn and to start trying. So even though Instagram is something that can be so negative and just not always great in that context, it was very, I don't know. It was helpful. And it's weird to think back and think that Instagram was helpful in that way, but it's pretty cool at the same time that it was. Oh, I I a hundred percent believe it. I also think it's interesting that, you think of it as negative because the people you're following and the things they're sharing aren't negative. It's people's no. responses that are negative. Yeah. Right. And it's how we use it that makes it negative. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, you can even understand those people's responses. Like imagine mm-hmm. this. Imagine you went, instead of living for 10 years with diabetes and not doing great with it, you were 30 years into it. And now you're at home and your health is as you know, poor is 30 years worth of really bad management leads you to. And then you open up Instagram because, you know, you're like, oh, maybe I can find some community here or some like, and the first thing it is is somebody who comes along and they're just like, look at me. I do yoga. I'm perfect. My body's tone. I can bend my leg back behind <laughs> my head. And my A1C is, you know, 5.1. A lot of people do not have the, <clears throat> the emotional maturity some of them, but blood sugars might be swinging all over the place as well. So they, they could be in their head kind of all over the place. And you would understand if their response was, F- you. 
You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like I'm dying over here, literally and figuratively. And, and you know, you want to lash out to, at somebody. I don't even know if that's, look, I don't even know if that's negative or if it's just a reasonable response. Um, some people have better responses. There's a person who will stick in my head forever who was on Facebook. Uh, I don't know where on some group begging for help for people with her diabetes. And she was an adult who had had type one for, I think like 30 years, a bunch of kids. And she'd come to this realization that she was going to die sooner than she wanted to, and that her children were going to be alone. And so she's yeah. help asking people for help. And some of them came in and said, you should, you should ask this guy, Scott and tagged me in it. So I let, I had her call me on the phone and I gave her like, basically like, you know, the hour primer on the way I think about blood sugars. And a couple of days later, like no lie, like two days later, she sent me this, um, this graph and she had never been over 125 or 120 and she wasn't under 70 for like a whole day. Wow. Super excited. Asked if she could call back, calls me back. She's crying. And I think these are gratitude tears allow the, and then I realized, no, that's not what this is. She was angry. Super, what? super, ang super angry, by the way, that for 30 years, no one could get across to her what only really took an hour to understand. Oh, I completely understand that. Right. I completely get that. Yeah. And it's such a hard thing to come to terms with. And that's something that I personally have had a another hard time accepting. I have had periods where I'm just so angry at myself for how horribly I was controlling myself and or I guess not controlling my blood sugars um but Bella you know that that's unreasonable right oh yes of course okay. I know that that's something and I feel like like I said it's a process so it's something that I've worked on Good. um but yeah I used to have those periods where I was just angry about well holy crap like look Look at how I treated myself. Um, and I think that also what that comes back to with me is fear for the future, which is also unreasonable. So I know that as well. <laughs> I know these things are unreasonable, yeah. but still they persist. Um, They're hard to Because shake. I think with diabetes, we hear all day long. Well, not all day long, but it's constantly being spouted in the media and in all these things that diabetes, you know, kills you, complications, yada, yada. And so I think something that I've had to have a hard time with is trying to accept that how I treated myself in the past doesn't necessarily equate to how my future health will be. Um, well, do you think you, who you are right now, the person Bella mm -hmm. is today would have done that to herself then? Like would have you, done like if you could go back in time and relive your life with your thoughts and knowledge that you have now, you wouldn't have done that to your, you would have oh, done no, things differently. Oh, no, of course not. Right. Yeah. But you didn't know the things you know now. Exactly. Right. And that's why it's something that is accepted. Like, I can't be angry about, you can't be angry about the past. You didn't know any better. Everyone's just doing the best that they can with what they have available. And that's what I was doing at the time. So. A lot of I wisdom, Bella. That. No, thanks. Seriously. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I'm, I'm really impressed because usually your generation um, goes one way or the other. It's very, it's really interesting. It's either it like, is. it's either very much like, hey, did you see this thing on Twitter? Or 
<laughs> like these very deep thoughts. I'm I'm hoping more people have deeper thoughts uh, as things I hope forward. so too. I do agree with that though. It's funny because I'll connect with people my age and sometimes I'm just like, I don't care what you're talking about. This is silly. And then, but then also like, I don't think I'm one of those people who has very deep thoughts. Like I have some friends that um, they're just so intelligent and they'll say stuff. And I'm just like, man, I, I wish that I had an ounce of your ability to formulate words in such an intelligent manner. Don't you think but, that the, the desire for that is what leads to it? Honestly, like, don't you think 10 years from now, you'll listen back to this and you'll think, wow, I didn't know what I was talking about back then, but now I really do. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. And I hope so. Like, I hope that in 10 years from now I listen to this and I'm like, this girl is a girl. Like I'm still a child, but also I feel like 10 years from now, I'm still going to feel like a kid. Cause I feel like something that I've thought about a lot lately is how we're all just kind of big children, just trying to do the best that we can. Like even a 70 year old, you're just a, you're essentially a child in an adult's body. It's funny. You said that because yesterday afternoon, um, uh, I said to my wife, I'm going to go to Costco to pick up like bulk, like paper towels and toilet paper, like these kind of things that we need, like in, you know, a bunch of it. And I was just going to go in and grab a few things and leave. I got a, I think I got a case of water and paper towels and stuff. And I'm all the way in the back of the store and I'm walking to the front and I'm on a side aisle. This is really wide aisle and there's no one in it. And I just took a few fast steps and then jumped up on the back of the cart and rode the cart all the way down the aisle. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> it was just, I, I didn't, when I got done, I did think, like, I wonder what what somebody would have, like, thought. Like, is the security guy right now going, look at this old guy riding the cart up the thing and what he would have thought. And I, I wish I would be able to tell him in that moment if he had that thought. I feel like I'm 12 in my head. Yes, exactly. You know? I completely understand that. That's all. Well, listen, I think, first of all, you're doing terrific. And you're having a ton of realizations that are building your life up and your health. I I I, I can't see where you'd be doing any better unless you're like, you're not breaking laws in your free time or anything <laughs> like that, are you? Nope. I am not breaking laws that I know of. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know of. <laughs> yeah. You feel no. like you could wake up one day and go, Oh my god, I had no idea that was against the law. <laughs> oh man, that would be that would be something. But no, I'm doing well. Good. And Diabetes is something that I've come to really welcome in my life. Um, I used to be very, not ashamed of it, I would say, but I was just, I think I was so angry that I had diabetes, but I was trying to pretend like it was all okay because I didn't know how to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I try to really just accept that diabetes is with me and live with it and embrace it. And yeah, I still have days where I'm like, screw you, you're, you're, ang- you're making me mad. But for the most part, um, I've tried to use it as something to really grow from because it's not going anywhere. So um, <laughs> you don't think it's just going to get bored of you and go somewhere else. <laughs> that would be great. If it wanted to leave, it could, I would be so, I would love for it to go. But also I thought about this recently. I have lived more of my life with diabetes than without it. And I can't imagine not having it. Like I can't imagine what a normal brain thinks of <laughs> who doesn't have diabetes at this point. Here's a question for you. You and I are in a room together. No one's ever going to know. I bring in a complete stranger, your uh-huh. age, a girl your age, and I say, Bella, I have a magic wand here. I can give her your diabetes. 
Would you let me do it? Um, I, I don't think so. Well, you know, it depends if this person I knew would be capable of managing, but then I don't know. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I think someone deserves to. Bella, the struggle in your voice is the answer. Yeah. There's no, there's no real answer. It's, you know, it's not, you know, it's not, Hey, you, me and your mom are on a, uh, a boat and it's sinking and one of us has to get thrown off or the boat's going to sink and all this, which one should go, which I'm assuming you'd throw me off, but maybe you wouldn't. Oh man. Also unfair question. Right. They're all um, unfair questions. But, but again, <laughs> the reason that they're fun, fun to ask is because it, your struggle in answering was the, was the answer, which is mm-hmm. I can do this. I don't need to give it to somebody else and burden them, but Oh my exactly. God, would I love this to go away. And I don't know them. So if I suddenly make that girl a friend of yours or your cousin, your answer becomes what? No, of no. course not. And I've right. thought about that. I've thought about, well, like, what if my sister would have been diagnosed or someone else? And I think that, I mean, given the circumstances, you never know because I'm the one with it. But mm-hmm. I think that I, I mean, I, I've, I can handle it and I've had the strength to handle it and I've used it to really help me. But you don't know how someone's gonna gonna react to that, and you don't know how they're gonna come out of it. And for all you know, they could be like me. They could be a lot better than me and have it figured out, or essentially, like you know, fake figured out from day one. Or they could be like me in the beginning and never get it figured out and just you know slowly kill themselves every day, which is not the way to live. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone, you know. Well, do you know? You just made me feel very emotional with your answer. I thought that was uh, incredibly insightful. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Seriously, that was wonderful. You're throwing together quite a little good episode of this podcast. I don't know if you realize it yet or not. Uh, I'm able to judge them on the fly because I've done so many. This is very good. Oh, thanks. uh, That sounds so nice to hear. I was honestly thinking about it and I was like, man, I wonder if this is going to be, this is going to be a bad one. (laughs) Wait, are there bad ones? Well, no, but I (laughs) will I meant like if you were going to listen to this and be like, oof, I don't know if I want to put this out there. Do people have that expectation that there are episodes that have been recorded that nobody hears because I think they're bad? Um, I don't think so. I would okay. assume that you put them all out there because okay. I feel like that'd be a really awkward um, conversation if someone emailed you and they were like, hey, like just checking in. Are you going to put that like when are you putting the episode out? And you're just like, oh, well, actually, I learned um, my lesson a while ago because there were two that I was a hundred percent sure were terrible and <laughs> I kept pushing off using them and pushing off using them. And then I, I got stuck one day. I was like, Oh, I need an episode. And uh-huh. I put, I put it out. And then the response I get back is so overwhelmingly positive that I think, okay, this episode might not have been right for me or right for someone, but it was right for enough people that I got emails about it. And, oh, and yeah. Even the other day we put one up. By the way, when I do that, it freaks me out because I don't know who we is because I do this by myself. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's you know, so funny. Yeah. I understand that. I sometimes do that too. And I'm like, so we need this. And I'm like, wait, yeah, who's no. we? Yeah. But so I put one up the other day. It was like this very long conversation um, uh, with this with this guy. And I thought it was an important conversation. It was around insulin pricing. and. Oh, I and just listened to that. I thought that was great. I really liked that. Okay, great. I'm glad you did. I 
immediately woke up the next morning to an instant, uh, to a message somewhere on the internet that was like, hey, Scott, listen, that's the worst episode you've ever done. Are you serious? Yeah. And you talked way too much. And I thought I did talk a lot, but I was really jacked up and like passionate about what we were talking about. And I also thought the entirety of the episode was different than most of them. It wasn't as back and forth. It was more like, hey, here's what I think about something for a few minutes. Here's what he thought about something for a few minutes. It wasn't as back and forth. I just thought it was kind of an episode unto itself. Um, And so the message of I didn't like that was the first one I got of the day, which, by the way, Mm. to all of you listening, it's lovely to wake up in the morning, work so hard (laughs) at something and hear somebody be like, that sucked. Oh, man. But I'm okay. That's a a day ruiner. No, no, no. Not anymore. I, I know how to. I just I wrote it. I was like, all right, it's his opinion. He didn't like it. And then I started wondering, I wonder if I'll hear back from anybody else. And then I started getting other messages from people. That was great. The guy on Instagram goes, best episode you've ever put out. And I was like, boy, that's the interesting thing right there. Because this was neither the best or worst episode I've Mm -hmm. ever made. Uh, But for them, it was. Yeah. And I I understand that completely. And it's so interesting because you never know how someone's going to take it. So like you said, for someone that was absolutely horrible, which I don't think that I don't get how that would that one was a bad episode, because if anything, it was informative if someone didn't really understand what was going on with insulin pricing and the other things you guys talked about. Give me a second. Give me a second. So interesting. You 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 do know how because we talked about it earlier because I spoke a lot and he probably didn't feel like I was giving the other guy room to talk, which I feel like I did. Probably grew yeah, up. Yeah, I guess I get that. He probably, I do get that. He probably grew up with a parent who dominated the other one and didn't let the other one speak. Or he works for a guy who dominates people and doesn't let them speak. Or, That's true. Or, 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 or there's some sensitivity he had to that thing. And I don't begrudge him that. I think that's completely reasonable. You know what I mean? But but also, in fairness, it wasn't like he was like, and I'm never listening again. He was just like, I love the podcast, but you know, I didn't think this was good. Interesting. Yeah. But no, I, that does make sense. And instead of just, you know, taking that situation and, you know, asking himself why it bothered him, he decided to tell you that it bothered him. And, so. and I, I also don't want to, well, this is a two-step statement. I don't want to hear everyone's thoughts because that would overwhelm me. But I do yeah. like getting feedback. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah. you know what I mean? It was helpful because when I got done and I was finished with the edit, I was like, yeah, I did talk a lot here. But I felt like that the content overwhelmed the pacing. So I was just like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to let it go out just like this. Yeah. But and I, I also like think, I mean, in that situation specifically, like that was a long episode. And I think it also could have been even longer because I think with a subject like that, both of you guys probably could have talked and talked and talked. Yeah. No, I think Cameron, I probably. So here's the other thing. Cameron's amazing. But he's also um And this was the first time I had ever spoken to him, but he struck me as a little reserved. Mm -hmm. And so when people are a little more reserved, they don't, they have a hard time projecting. They want someone to, I don't know, like, I I don't know what I mean right there. Like there's one of these things where I have a sense about something while I'm recording the podcast that I can't put into words, but some people, Mm -hmm. some people start out nervous and they need to be, you know, relaxed and then they find their groove. Some people will fumble for words forever and can't find them, but they know what they're saying. So you just have to give them time and let them go. 
And some people are just polite and they don't polite. People sometimes don't initiate. I do get that. And you have to coax it out of them kind of. Yeah. Or I have to get, you know, in that case, I found myself getting real worked up. And then when I got worked up, Cameron said something. I was like, God, I agree with that guy. And then so he's like, (laughs) you know, and so it would go back and forth. And I don't know. I felt like it went well. And I'm not apologizing for it. I thought it was a good episode. Good. Yeah. You shouldn't apologize for what you put out. It's great. Best I can do, you know. Unless you do actually have something worth apologizing for, then of course I would I have, hope that you apologize. <laughs> I have so far, I think, avoided that. Uh, good, good. I don't have a lot of thoughts that uh, I believe that if you heard, I would have to apologize for. So that's, that's good. That's why they're not slipping out because I'm not holding. I'm not. It's not like I'm talking right now and I'm about to say something horrible, but I'm stopping myself. You know. I would hope so. That would that would not be ideal. Well, you'd be upset. You'd be like, oh, that podcast I like. That guy's actually. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. I would leave this. A conversation and be like, man, I don't think that, oh, that really didn't live up to my expectations. Can you imagine if, like, after the recording, I shut it off and I was like, so, I don't know, and pick some, like, you know, some group of people. And I was like, how bad are they, huh? And you'd be oh, like, man. wait, what? No, you can't have my episode. Exactly. Uh, people. Well, well, what do you, like, today, how do you manage your blood sugars today? Like, you said your blood, your A1C is in the fives. Yeah, my A1C has been in the fives um, for over a year now. My I just got it done a couple weeks ago, and it was 5.4, which I was kind of – I wasn't frustrated, but I was a little frustrated because it was 5.1 previously. So I was like, man, it went up. But honestly, I should not be sweating a <laughs> 0.3 increase. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going to tell but, you that I'm not a doctor, but 5.1, 5.4, I think you're okay. Yeah, exactly. But so I manage. So right now I'm on Medtronic and I'm currently switching over. I just got my Dexcom a couple days ago, but I'm not using it yet because I'm getting the T Slim. Um, And I don't want to use the sensors until I have this T Slim because I don't know. I just don't want to waste them. But I, yeah, I'm on Medtronic right now. I had the 670G. And so I first got on that um, 2018. And my mom wanted me to get it for auto mode because I was going, I was studying in New Zealand for a semester. So she was like, I think this will be helpful for you. Um, yada, yada. And so I got that. I used auto mode for the entirety. I was in New Zealand for like six months and it sucks. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) I would be, I would, oh, just, it was horrible. Like I would wake up and the sensor would tell me that I was like 130 and I'd check my blood sugar and I'd actually be like 170. And I'm like, sweet. Cause that's really going to do some good for my health in the long run. Um, I have to tell you, Bella, I imagine that Medtronic has like designated a person to listen to this podcast and everyone comes on and says stuff like that. Uh-huh. I always feel like bad a little bit. <laughs> Honestly. Okay. I, I do appreciate Medtronic because they have a very good financial assistance program. So they really helped me out with that, but man, their sensor just could use some work. And I'm also interested though. So when I start using the Dexcom, I'm, I really hope that I don't have things to say about it like I do with Medtronic because (laughs) if that's the case I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna throw up my arms and say okay I I guess you can't win here's what I can tell you about Dexcom my daughter's A1C matches my expectations based on her readings okay that's good that's how I that's how I judge anything yeah and that's a really good point yeah so I get what I expect and if it's telling me this and that's what's happening at the end I mean listen 
can Arden's blood sugar be 110 when it's really 95 or can it say it's 95 when it's really 110? I'm sure that happens. Oh, yeah. But in the end, Arden has a stable, steady A1C in the fives for, Mm -hmm. I think we're coming up on six or seven years. I've lost track. That's so great. Yeah. So it works well for us. And I listen, I don't doubt there are people whose body chemistry doesn't jive with it. Like, I'm sure those Mm -hmm. people exist as well, you know? Yeah. But I'm excited to switch over. I am. Yeah, I just think it'll be good for a switch. I've been on a Medtronic pump since I was in sixth grade. So it's been a while. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't using a sensor until uh, I was like, until 2016. So I went a long time without using a sensor. Wow. Well, listen, that's how that's how things go. You know, Mm -hmm. stuff gets better and people come online slowly. um, And, you know, eventually everyone who can afford it, who wants it, I will have it. I I think as long as they know as long so. as they know about it. The hey. sense having a sensor is just so important. Like if I I really hope that like I can't imagine being on injections. I think that would be really overwhelming for me. But I also if I had to choose between a pump or a sensor, I think I would have to choose a sensor because I can see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't want to test my blood sugars twenty times a day just so I can see what's going on yeah no i i listen if um you know it's sort of a like a false choice because you don't have to choose between a a cgm Mm -hmm. and a a pump but if you did i i'd have trouble disagreeing with that i'd go i'd go dexcom before i would uh have a pump yeah 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 i I think it just you know it makes sense um hey earlier (sighs) earlier you said something that i wanted to remember and i didn't write it down and now i'm like I'm sitting here hmm. thinking, like, what was it? I'm so sorry. Uh, give me a second. I'll make that noise that makes people think of things. Um, ah, I think I think you said it already, but I want to make sure that I'm right. Okay. What What was the value of the podcast for you? Oh, okay. So this podcast has been great on two two levels. Of initially, it gave me the tools to you know, be bold with insulin, (laughs) but to really give myself insulin in a smarter way, in a way that works with my body, in a way that works with my food. So it was immensely helpful for that. And I will always be grateful for that. But I think that it's also given me this weird sense of community um, that I don't really have. And everyone talks about how it's so important for diabetics to have community within the diet with other diabetics. Mm -hmm. And in person, in real life, I don't really know many diabetics, um, but it's so comforting to listen to your show. And especially when it's people, you know, my age, a little bit younger into, you know, like people into their thirties too, like the younger generation. um, And also it's nice to hear like some of the parents talking about their kids, but I really connect with when it's people just talking about themselves and their own experiences with it. And it gives me a sense of community. And I think that is, that's just so valuable. Um, and I really appreciate that. I'm glad I a hundred percent believe that community in any way that it manifests itself for you is very important. I also really appreciate that people listen to the show because it allows me to do something that I don't think most of you listening would imagine is difficult to accomplish. But Bella just said, I like to hear from kids a little younger than me, a little older than me, people my age, but I also like to listen to 
parents, but you hesitated on that a little bit. Like maybe Mm -hmm. that's not as good for you as it is hearing like people living with diabetes. Yeah. If you guys, if everyone didn't listen with the veracity that they do, I'd get penned in and I'd have to make a decision. Like this is just going to be a podcast for the parents of kids with diabetes. This is just going to be a podcast for the, for adults living with diabetes because, because stuff like this dies quickly. And if mm-hmm. I if I put four episodes out in a row that nobody is willing to listen to, I can't keep making the podcast. Yeah, well, right? that's actually really funny that you say because I remember this summer I was talking to a coworker and I was like, "Yeah, like what kind of podcast do you listen to?" And he was like, "Yada yada, what do you like to listen to?" And I was like, "Oh, I listen to this diabetes podcast on top of other podcasts." But I obviously mentioned this one. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, doesn't that get old? Like, (laughs) don't you run out of things to talk about? And I was just like, I I, I felt offended. I was like, well, you know, when you have an illness that doesn't go away, you'd be surprised at how much there really is to talk about. Yeah. Oh, I listen. I was, excuse me. I've said it on here a couple of times, but I spoke to somebody as I was doing this. And um, so before podcasts exist, there was something called like blog talk radio. And mm-hmm. it was like the audio was bad. It, like it was coming over a phone line, and but it was it was interesting. And I talked to this guy who had a uh, a blog talk radio show about diabetes. I have to clear my throat. <clears> throat> wow, I'm so sorry. Uh, okay. And, and um, he he was like, "Oh, I think you'd be great at this." I had been at a guest on his show um, while I was selling my book, and he he's like, "Oh, I think you'd be great at it." But his one piece of advice ended up being. I don't know. It, it it wasn't. It didn't ring true in the end. He was like, "You'll run out of things to talk about eventually." That's what happened to me, and mm-hmm. and so I I began this journey thinking that the, it had a finite end. I think you can even hear it. I, I'll say it like in earlier episodes. Like I don't know how long I can keep this going, and now I don't believe that at all. Now I believe exactly what you just said. I think I could make this podcast forever, and I think it would be just as popular, if not more popular, than it is right now. Because people, I think so, always need to have conversations, and and I I hope that I make this more than just about diabetes. I feel like I do. I think you do. I think, yeah, I definitely do, and I think that that's good too because I'll listen to it, and you know. I get to hear about people's experiences that live. I mean, you get some people from all over the place that come on here and who have different experiences and who different things, who do different things. And I definitely think you make it about more than diabetes, which is also great because living with diabetes, you can't let it be the all consuming thing. Like you're so much more, like I'm so much more than just a person with diabetes, like diabetes affects how I do everything. Yeah. But I mean, I'm so, I mean, I'm, Diabetes is just one thing that I am. So right. it can't be all that you talk about. I think that I agree. And I appreciate you saying that. I just recorded the other day with a woman in Israel uh, who was just just diagnosed recently as an adult, um, a cellist, you know, who is a, mm. a classically trained musician, um, you know, and you. And I think you all have equally valuable things to bring to the show. Yeah, yeah. I think so. You were really, and that's great. why I also think I don't think it'll ever end because people are going to keep wanting to come on and talk to you. I just have to make enough money that I can hire. I, you know, I, I say this like I was going to say an editor, but that's not true. Like because then I I don't know how to teach somebody my sensibility for oh, how the podcast sounds. Oh yeah, I understand sound, that. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. But there are days like I am. There are days that I sit in this chair all day 
to bring the podcast to you guys. And it's like, oh some days I'm like, oh my gosh, like I got other things. I should go for a walk. I keep thinking, you know how the podcast <laughs> is going to end. I'm going to have a heart attack from not moving around. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, uh, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to? Um, I don't think so, but I, no, I don't think so. Because the thing is like the people that listen to this podcast care, uh, they care about either someone with diabetes or they care about their diabetes. And I think the only thing I would want to say is to actually, no, I do. If you're a parent to someone with diabetes, um, or you're, you love someone's diabetes, I think that you should definitely encourage them to talk about how they feel about it um, ask them if they're okay and don't just take, yeah, I'm fine for an answer because I know personally with me, I would be asked if I was okay as a kid. Um, and I would just be like, yeah, I'm fine. Like it's not cancer. But in my head, I was like screaming, I'm not okay. So I think that's just what I want to put out there, you know, definitely ask those with diabetes, especially the younger ones, you know, how are you feeling? How can I help you? Um, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if, I wonder how far that goes. Meaning if, how far could your mom have pressed you before you would have told her how you felt? And maybe you might not have, right? I'm, here's how I do it. I like hugging. I like to stop people in the middle of the day and just give them a hug. And let it linger for a minute. You know what I mean? Like I'll hug Arden or my son, my wife, and people are having, you know, stressful days. And, and of course we all live in the same house right now in this house, there are four people doing four completely different things in four different rooms Yeah, because of COVID, you know, because of COVID. yeah. Yeah. So everyone's a little like, I don't know, we're all vibrating a little bit, you know, and I think somebody just Mm -hmm. a hug sometimes just kind of like settles it down a little bit. And I do, I, I completely agree with what you said. And at the same time, I don't know. Like, I've pressed people who I know are struggling with things in my life, and they are not going to budge over it. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. And I do get what you're saying. Like, as a kid, if I would have been asked and asked again and asked repeatedly what I have said that I wasn't okay, uh, probably not. Like, it probably would have taken a lot of pushing. And Bella, do you know what you never hear on this podcast? You never hear me bring on a quote-unquote expert to answer questions about how we should do things because I think those are just nice – they're nice concepts. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like here, here's one. Uh, never lie. We should all be <laughs> kind to each other. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. These things are obvious, right? 100% obvious, uh, but people don't do them. Why is that? Yeah. It's not because they don't know. They know do unto others, right? Like everybody knows that phrase. You even know yes. the more you know, even though you don't know why you know it. And so, but <laughs> but how many people actually spend their days just treating people the way they want to be treated? Very few. Yeah. Well, not very few, but less than you, know, you think. Not everyone. Yeah, right. There's, it's fewer than you think. And I just think that it's it's a little disingenuous to say this is how you should run your life. And look, I told them now, so they'll be okay. Mm -hmm. You have to have, everyone's got to have some sort of an awakening around everything, whether it's how you treat people or how you treat yourself or how you manage your insulin. You have to come to it on your own. I've had people, I've had people come to me privately and they're like, I heard you help people sometimes. Can you give me a hand? I I helped a Mm -hmm. woman last week. She was easy. 
She asked questions, got answers, took the answers, put them in the practice. In three days, we were gone. She's amazing. I've also had people fight me every step of the way. And I'll try for a day or two. And then I'm like, look, you're not ready for this. So I, and then I feel terrible because I've seen their graphs. And I'm like, now I'm walking away from them, it feels like. But I'm not. They're not ready for it. I could stay with them forever. They weren't ready to listen. And one Mm -hmm. day they either will be or they won't be. And that's not under my control or anyone else's. That's true. That's That's what I've learned from this podcast so far. Plus how to use this like editing software. (laughs) Some other stuff. Yeah. Uh, but no, I just think that I think what's obvious and what you're ready to do, two completely different things. No, that's really true. That is yeah. a great point. I don't know. We'll see. So the best you can do, you've already said the answer, is model. Gandhi said it, right? What did Gandhi say? How did he say it? You said you wished your parents would model what? What did you talk Vulnerability. about? Vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And you think if they would have you may have picked that up, right? Uh-huh. Right. And what did Gandhi say? Be the change you want to see in the world? Yes, yes. Be the change you wish to see or want to see, yes. Yeah, so, you so know. So, yeah, all I can do is be as I want to be, and hope which other is modeling people vulnerability. Take that. Yeah, and hope people take that from you. Mm-hmm, right? Definitely. And don't go yeah, overboard. Yeah, I agree with that. That's it. Life's easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. It's super simple. Just seriously. It, it really is, by the way. Just, you know, good intentions, do the best you can. Uh, I honestly run my life on like a couple of basic ideas. I don't lie if I can help it. And I treat people the way I want to be treated as often as I can. Yeah. And those are two very powerful things. Truly. It's the best I can do. Because otherwise, I've got other things going on too. And sometimes my needs come before your needs. But every time, Mm -hmm. every time I can put you before me. That's my intention. I don't always get it right. Uh, yeah. But but we're human, so of course not. I'm just shooting for the best. That's all. I'll fall short most times, but at least I'm trying. I think, yes. that, I think that resonates Trying is people. the big thing. Yeah. I think it resonates with people. Uh, I and think then so. eventually they grow up and hopefully they'll do the same. I yeah. always use a, a little example is that uh, when I leave the house which I don't do as much anymore, or even when I leave a a setting in the house to go do something else, I tell the people around me. And it's not like I'm asking permission or checking in. I'll just be like, hey, I'm going to go to the store. I expect to be back pretty quickly. Yeah. Or I'm going to go to the store, but I got to make a couple stops. I'll be a little longer. I'm going to go upstairs now and work. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I think that lends comfort to people. The, The idea of like, I know where the people I love are. And I think that's kind of important. My son... He's 20. Every time he leaves the house, he's like, hey, I'm I'm just heading out. He doesn't feel like he has to tell me. I've never once made him feel like he has to tell me. I've never once in my life said to my son, you have to tell me where you're going before you leave the house. But he always does. He just sort of makes his intentions clear as he's moving around. And I think he got that from me and he doesn't even realize it. Oh, yeah, most definitely. That makes complete sense. Yeah. So you can do that with other stuff. Yes, you can. That's all. I love that. That's a good. I mean, I. I feel like that's something that I know already, but I don't think about. And that's very true. Right. You can't do that with other stuff. Well, once you make a baby, Bella, and your intention is to not screw it up royally, you'll start having the thoughts more consciously. Oh, man. Yeah. We'll see, though. We'll see if that I got a while. Yeah. Oh, please. Man, give me some <laughs> good advice. 
your mom waited till 40. That might have been too long. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think so. Early 30s, nothing wrong with that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm not, I'm not a. Are you thinking about I'm babies? not Russian. Is there a boy? Oh, sorry. I no. didn't hear that. No, no I, there's not. Okay. All right, good. Take but that would time. be great, too. So, but one thing before the other, of course. I don't even know how people in your generation are going to end up pregnant. Oh, man. I don't know. Apparently, I mean, especially with everyone uses dating websites. I hate that. So. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, as far as I know, you can't get pregnant through TikTok. So you guys are screwed. Oh, no. Okay. So I think TikTok's a little earlier. Well, I think TikTok's earlier than my generation. Oh. But I do have think like I have friends that use it, but I don't. I'm not on the TikTok. Yeah. Because you know, when some guy slides up in your DMs, he can't actually slide up to where the babies get made. You understand it doesn't work that way. I, right? Yeah. I'm very well aware of that. Good for you. Th- yeah. Social media. Ugh. That's the. I'll tell you, if I could do one thing, I'd. Uh, if you put me in charge of something, you're like, just make some blanket decision that you think will help the world. I think I would take social media away. <laughs> Honestly, I, I totally think that do. would be so interesting because yeah. I think that we would be forced, especially my generation and younger, to, we'd be forced to do things in person <laughs> and we'd be so much more personable yeah. and we wouldn't have so much phone anxiety. And ugh, I think that would be great. But then also like we've talked about social media has so many benefits. Yep. Um, lose a lot of good but this- I think the costs sometimes outweigh those benefits. The sometimes po- the popularity of the podcast is because people have the ability to tell each other about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't have found it if someone hadn't posted about it most likely, because yep. it's not like I was searching the internet for like diabetes podcasts. Okay. All right. I Obviously I can't take social media away. It'll hurt the podcast, but I, maybe oh, I would man. say like, you know, let's not spend so many, the, the um, scrolling and double tapping on Instagram is maddening to me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always like, did you see the picture? What? What are you doing? Just giving out likes. It's weird. Yeah. You, you know, no, you, I agree. You look I, at the photo? It's, it's, it's an odd thing. Yeah. I don't know. Y'all are listen. It, and I got to tell you one thing you don't realize it's going to go away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There, there have been social media platforms in the past that have been incredibly popular and have. Oh run yeah, their like course. MySpace. MySpace was my jam as a kid. Well, Seriously? not as a kid, but kind of as a kid. No kidding. No one uses MySpace anymore. No, your little animated gifs and your sparklies and stuff like that was exciting. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. Yep. Yeah. yeah, there'll be something else. There will be. All right, Bella, you are really great. I appreciate you coming on and doing this. Um, I'm going to go now and eat some breakfast and prepare for recording at one o'clock with Dr. Paul Saladini. Interesting. I I tell you right now, I should figure out how to say his name before Saladino. Okay. He is an MD who uh, has a book about eating carnivore. And I think I'm going to use it to his recording to add to the how we eat ideas mm-hmm. because I've got a few recorded now and I want to add nice. some more stuff. So. I'm excited for those. Good. I think those will be interesting. I have a good one that's plant-based that's recorded already. I have a keto one that's recorded already. Uh, this one will be, you know, carnivore. He doesn't have type one, but I'm making an exception here because he's a sort of an expert in the field. So mm-hmm. I wanted to hear from that makes him. sense. Yeah, but I'm I'm dying. I leave I'm leaving this in your episode because if if you have a specific way of eating that you can really talk about the the highs and lows and the benefits of pl- please uh let me know because I want I want more of that on the show. Yeah. I I mean I, I am a vegetarian but I don't think my diet's that special. Um 
Are you like a vegetarian? Like you really eat vegetables? Or are you a vegetarian? Like you're going to have like a pop tart now when you get done talking? <laughs> no, I eat, I, I go through phases, but I eat pretty good. Generally speaking, like I had an apple and a banana and uh, some peanut butter for breakfast. Mm-hmm. But I, um, and I, I read the Mastering Diabetes book mm-hmm. and I thought that was great. Cool. But, but, um, there's a but I also, it's hard to cut out fat completely. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's hard to do anything completely. Um, yeah. And I think that there are a lot of people who have like, there's a way to eat. There's a way to eat. It seems to me like it would be very difficult to keep that going forever. And maybe I it, think so. Maybe it wouldn't be for some people. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I listen, I made a decision on today's Thursday, I made a decision last Friday that I was going to cut carbs out for a week just to kind of reset myself because my body begins to um, hold retain water if I have too yeah. many, if I have too many carbs. I'm seven pounds lighter today than I was last Friday. What? Yeah. That's wild. Right. But carbs are so like we need carbs. I don't know if we need them or not, Bella, because I'm not like like the knower of everything. But what I can tell you is, I want. a piece of bread so badly oh i bet <laughs> oh i bet i had i had garlic bread last night with oh. my dinner so i understand that i had a cheeseburger last night without a roll and as i That's ate horrible. it i was like this is like i'm gonna bleep this out but i was like this is like having right no i'm not gonna at the end yeah no that's disgusting it's so ugh. i was just like uh just i'm just gonna do this but i'm not nothing about it was enjoyable yeah i can't imagine eating a burger without a bun yeah. um well mine would be a fake hamburger <laughs> which That's is cool. also horrible for you but i don't eat those all the time all right well, well i'll get a vegetarian on at some point I, I thought i had one and then i missed but we'll, oh well if you ever need one i do like i could talk about it but i don't know what i would i don't know i would have to think about what i actually know yeah but i have been a vegetarian for like four years so i have some time do you know i had someone come on and record a whole episode about being low carb and and called me or sent me a message four days later and said don't run that episode i did not do justice to the idea of low carb eating oh so i i am going to be very careful to make sure that i have people that really feel like they can can articulate the position you know what i mean yeah i don't know what i would say i'd have to think it over (laughs) no no more don't know what i'm going to say bella if you want to be back on again okay okay (laughs) sounds good (laughs) so uh i go enjoy your day and thank you so much for doing this thank you thank you for your time i really appreciate it oh i i appreciate it take care okay well have a great day you too a huge thank you to one of today's sponsors gvoke glucagon Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. I'd also like to thank the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter for sponsoring this episode. Learn more at Contour Next forward slash juicebox. There are links to these and all the sponsors at juiceboxpodcast.com or if you're listening in a podcast app in the show notes of your app. They're right there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing where you're listening. Thanks for telling friends about the podcast. Thanks for leaving great reviews where you listen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, that's pretty much it. Right. Thank you. Podcast, Bella. Yeah, I did everything I meant to do. I'll see you in the next one.